Yes, thank you. Wow, isn't that a precious message in song? And uh, that those, it's so neat to learn these songs and uh, to have them have them in your heart go through. Any of you ever get a song in your heart and, and you, you just wake up with that song and, and uh, go to bed with that song? Isn't that precious? And it's good to get good songs that, that do that because I've had good songs do that. And then I've had bad songs because of uh, past. Uh, that, uh, and so it's so precious to just kind of replace you know, those bad things with the good things and uh, put those good songs in your heart. And, and the Lord knows the heart, can't hide it, and he blesses us and looks for that pure heart. And that's what uh, caused David to be a, a man after God's own heart. God saw his heart and raised him up to be the king over, over Israel. And uh, the Lord's looking, searching to and fro uh, that he might show himself strong in behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. Uh, that's in Second Chronicles, I believe, chapter 16 at verse number 9. Mark chapter 11, would you stand if you're able to tonight to Mark chapter 11. And uh, we're going to begin here. I just want to read this section of scripture. And we're going to pull a thought out of this uh, chapter here tonight that we're going to, uh, going to focus upon here. Mark chapter 11. And uh, we'll begin here, verse number 1. I want to read the first 11 verses here. And uh, when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say to that, or say, uh, say ye that the Lord hath need of him. And I want you just to, to look at that thought there. The Lord hath need of him. Okay, and we're going to focus upon that, that thought there tonight. The Lord hath need of him. And straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, what do ye, loosing the colts? And they say unto him, or unto them, even as the Lord had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the tree and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And uh, we call this the, the triumphant entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. And, and uh, there's so much here. that I, I'm not even going to get to this all tonight, but we're going to kind of pull out that thought there in verse number three, the Lord hath need of him. And uh, so many things that can be applied to that, that little thought there tonight that uh, hopefully we can grab some things that can be of eternal value uh, to us here this evening. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you this evening, uh, just already your presence here. Thank you, Lord, that you know our hearts, that you search our hearts, that you try our hearts. And even as we, uh, as we look at this passage, there's uh, everything is, is open to you, nothing hidden from you. You know all things. And Lord, I pray here tonight that uh, you would uh, give us a truth that uh, we could latch on to 
And Lord, I, I thank you, not only did you have need of this donkey, but you've got need uh, for each and every one of us. You've got a plan, you've got a purpose, you've got a reason for which we were created. And Lord, I, I pray that uh, you might begin to manifest that maybe in some heart here this evening. Lord, help us uh, tonight. We need you. We just really want to come humbly before you, humbly into your presence tonight. We want to yield to you tonight. We want your way to be done. We want you uplifted, honored, and glorified. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated here this evening. Again, uh, that thought in verse number 12, the, or verse number 3, the Lord hath need of him. This particular section of scripture, and you'll see this in other gospels, is, is known as the triumphal or the triumphant entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. I want you to go back again to a passage we've looked over and over uh, at into chapter 10 of, uh, of the Gospel of Mark. And I want you to go to verse number 32. And we've read this on several occasions here. For some time Jesus has been pressing toward Jerusalem. And it reads, uh, they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them and they were amazed. And they followed and they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, shall deliver him to the Gentiles, they shall mock him, shall scourge him, shall spit upon him, shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. And so as we pointed out over and over, he's headed to Jerusalem. He knows exactly what is going to happen when he comes to Jerusalem. And it's very clear here in the Word of God that no man took the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord laid down his life. Uh, he could have called legions of angels. He could have destroyed the world. Uh, he did not have to give himself on the cross. Uh, he had no sin, uh, no wrongdoing in his life. He did not deserve to die, but he chose to die. He died in our place. And so as he's marching to Jerusalem, he knew exactly what was going to take place. So we come to chapter 11 now, verse number 1. And it reads, When they came nigh to Jerusalem... And so he's pressed the road toward Jerusalem. He's come nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Now, again, back in 2018, as you sent us to Jerusalem, we had the privilege of going there to the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives sits on the east side of the walls of old Jerusalem. It's really a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, location. And from that Mount of Olives, you can look uh, westward toward the old city, toward the wall of Jerusalem, and you can clearly see that eastern gate of Jerusalem. And that eastern gate is the gate through which the Lord Jesus Christ on this day made his way into the city. And you can see from the Mount of Olives not only that eastern gate, but you can see the Temple Mount and the Temple site. And so I would just picture here as Jesus made his way to Jerusalem and he looks out over that city and he sees that eastern gate, he sees the temple, he knows all that's about to take place. And this is just a, a wonderful, wonderful thought and experience. And really it was as Jesus looked upon the city of Jerusalem, uh, he wept over that city. Uh, we've spoken of the verses, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. He says, how often I've longed to gather you under my arms as a hen gathers her chicks and you would not. Now I believe this event that we are going to be dealing with here over, over a, a little bit of time, uh, not all of it tonight, but I believe this event here is the presentation of the king to this nation. And I believe this nation rejected 
their king. Uh, They missed their opportunity. Uh, There was a window, a time, and a place. And uh, they missed that opportunity. They missed that window as Jesus, the king, is presented to this nation. Now from the Mount of Olives, looking down upon the uh, wall of Jerusalem, that old city, the the gate, the the, uh, eastern gate, uh, the Temple Mount, looking down and between the Mount of Olives and that Temple Mount, there's a, there's a valley. And uh, we had the privilege of walking down from the Mount of, of Olives, and we walked down to that valley, and we walked toward the, uh, the gate, uh, the Jerusalem, the eastern gate, and would have walked that trail uh, that Jesus took eventually this day. And uh, as the palm trees were strewn on that path, and as the uh, children and adults, and they cried out, Hosanna! to the Lord in the highest, and oh, wonderful experience that would have been. Now, as they arrived at that temple mount, Jesus sent two of his disciples to secure a young donkey, a colt. And they brought that colt to the Lord Jesus Christ. He rode that colt into Jerusalem over that trail that we had the privilege of of walking. I want you to to read again just this story as as he enters in verse 7 of uh, chapter 11 of Mark. And they brought the colt to Jesus, cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest and oh what praise uh, took place and that rightful praise that deserved praise that honor that went that day to the Lord Jesus Christ in verse number 11 it says and Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple so Jesus made his way from the Mount of Olives and down into that valley and then up through the eastern gate and there to the temple mount and he made his way into the temple now here this particular night Uh, He just comes to the temple, he observes the temple, many other events that will take place in the coming days, this Passion Week of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to see later that he cleanses the temple and he rebukes those that have been money changers in that temple. He accuses and said, you made this a den of thieves. And so here he confronts that nation. Now this event that we read about is very important prophetically. You read of this in Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. And that's describing this very event. And it's prophetically fulfilled here at this very moment. This one riding on the donkey into the city was their king. I believe this is the presentation of their king to that nation. Now I believe another prophecy fulfilled that day, Daniel chapter number 9. In Daniel chapter 9 there are 70 weeks that are given to the nation of Israel, each week representing seven years uh, for a total of 490 years. There are some specific events that are given in the prophecy of Daniel. These events are markers. And it's very evident as you read through that prophecy that Messiah would be revealed to the nation at the completion of 483 years. Uh, Sir Robert Anderson took those markers to a Jewish calendar 
And he did the figuring of the very times and the dates and discovered that the very day the Messiah would be revealed to that nation is the very day that Jesus rode this donkey into the city in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And so it makes it very clear that had the Jews been alert to their own prophecies, they would have known uh, the very day, the very time that Messiah would have been presented to that nation. Uh, and again, we believe that they missed their opportunity, their window, and as a result, the judgment that would come upon that nation. Now, that's kind of the background of where we're going tonight. Look back to Mark chapter 11 and verse number 3. And here's our focus this evening. And he says, If any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. That's quite a statement here. You know, I, I, I pictured this. Here's, here's the donkey. Two disciples are sent uh, to, to retrieve this donkey. And uh, as they are sent to retrieve the donkey, and if they're questioned, they're simply to respond to the question as to why they're doing this, the Lord hath need of him. And I want to take that, that thought, the Lord hath need of him, and make some applications here. Uh, see, as we, we think about that, I believe there's an illustration of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, as he came to Jerusalem, he sent these two disciples to retrieve the colt. He explained to them exactly where they would find that colt. He told them what to do when they found that colt, what to say, and they did exactly as Jesus told them. They found it exactly as Jesus said it would be, and they brought that colt to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are a couple of possibilities, and not sure what is correct, and I've read both ways, and uh, what, I, what I see, in, in regardless of which way it took place, both illustrate the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and both would be viable options. Now, the first possibility is what, I, what I've always thought, is that Jesus knows all things, and so he, knowing exactly where this cult would be, and knowing exactly the situation, uh, gave the directions to these disciples, and he would know this by his power, by his knowledge, by his deity. And he was able to direct those disciples. And as the, the young guys uh, here today saying, the Lord knows the heart. There's nothing hidden from the Lord. And so we could say here tonight, the Lord knew exactly what these disciples would find when they came there. And the Lord knows your heart, he knows your life, he knows the details of you. There's nothing hidden before the Lord. And of course that would show his authority and it's this fact that all of the universe is in his hands. He knows every star by name. He knows every person by name. Uh, he knows every donkey by name. And he knows where each one would be at any point in time. And it blows my mind to think about, my God, my mind is finite and God is infinite. He's beyond us. Uh, the Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ that his ways and his thoughts are high above our ways and high above our thoughts. And everything is under his care. And he knows everything and he knows every detail and he controls all things. And so that would be the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, the second possibility doesn't take away from the first possibility because they both work together. You know, somebody said it's possible that this was prearranged with the owner. And that could be possible. But still Jesus would have had to have known the details as to where the donkey was. And uh, perhaps a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ was the owner of the, of the donkey. We don't know. 
The Bible doesn't give us all of those details, but he simply sent the disciples to complete the arrangement, and his command was as good as done. Now, I, I want you to just look at that again and, and think about this in verse number 3. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. See, that, that was sufficient. The Lord has need. That's sufficient. That's authority. Uh, the Lord has the right to that donkey if he has need of that donkey. Uh, he has the authority. He owns everything. He made everything. And he made every one of us. He made the universe. He can use whatever he wants in whatever way he wants to. See, as you look at this, this is a command that night, and he had the authority to command that, and he said, say the Lord hath need of him, that's sufficient. That's all he had to say. There's no question to that, and the donkey was sent at the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord hath need of him. Now think about this of your life. He has authority, doesn't he? He has the authority over your life. He has need of you. There's no explanation needed. He made you. He owns you. He has the right to you. He has the right to your life. He has the right to do whatever he wants with you. Uh, he has the right to command your obedience tonight. And then you think about this further. The Lord has authority over your possessions. You're simply a steward. The fact is tonight you don't own any donkeys. You own nothing. Everything that you have is His. And He's the rightful owner. You're simply the steward of it all. And you think about this donkey. That donkey did not belong to the owner. That donkey belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord had the authority. He had the right to command that that donkey be brought to Him. And it's that way with everything that you are and everything that you possess your time is not your time. Your possessions are not your possessions. Your life is not your life. He's your creator. And I believe we have illustrated here tonight in this simple command, in this simple statement, the Lord hath need of him. We have an expression and an illustration of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's another thought. There's an illustration in this command of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now some important things in all of this. Now again, look at this. The Lord, the Lord, that's God, Jesus. The Lord hath need of him. That's the king, the creator, the God of the universe, the maker, the owner of everything. And yet, think about this. Here is the creator of all of the universe and the statement is made, the Lord hath need of him. You think about it, in reality he needs nothing to increase himself. Uh, he needs nothing to improve himself. Uh, the Lord needs nothing from any of us. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your life and yet he has need of you. And, and so we have here this expression, the Lord has need of him, I believe is, is really an expression of humility. We're going to see this here just a little bit deeper. Now, I was reading just today news of Putin, Vladimir Putin, and uh, threatening uh, the Ukraine and Syria and really needing a Mediterranean port to empower his navy. 
And so there's the buildup of his soldiers there upon the Ukraine border. Uh, in gaining those territories, he increases his power. But you think about this, it's not so with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already all-powerful. He's already almighty, okay? He doesn't have to increase that power or that authority. And so when we look at that expression, the Lord hath need of him, and it comes to my mind and the thought here is though he's God, he humbled himself and he became man. And it was in this humility, in that uh, humility, uh, that there is this position of need. See, think about this tonight. The Lord humbled himself completely. Though he's God, he had no place to lay his head. Though he's God, he borrowed a manger to be born in. And though he's God, he borrowed a boat from the disciples in which to preach. And though he's God, he borrowed a boy's lunch to feed the multitude. And though he's God, he borrowed a grave, the grave of Joseph of Arimathea, in which to be laid. He only needed it for three days and three nights, and he gave it back. And here he borrowed a colt on which to ride into Jerusalem. Now, isn't that amazing? You think about the symbol of this. Here's the God of the universe that owns everything, that made everything, that everything is at his command. And here's the God of the universe. The Lord had need of him, and he borrowed this colt, this donkey. Use that donkey to ride into Jerusalem. Now, it pictures the king of this world. And you think about this great pomp of kings. And you think about the Caesars. And you think about the Pharaohs. And you look at how they would enter into their kingdom and take possession. I've seen pictures of chariots, golden chariots, and the most beautiful of horses, and they ride to take possession of their kingdom, and uh, there is all this glory given. They would ride to their cities in these golden, beautiful things, and uh, all to the cheering crowds, and often the crowds would be forced to cheer. They didn't really like the one that was coming to command them, uh, but they were showing their power, their authority, and their pomp. But here's Jesus. What humility. King of kings, Lord of Lords, riding into the city of Jerusalem to reveal himself as their king, but riding on a lowly donkey. Isn't that amazing? Remember, he was a servant. You go back to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And of the Lord Jesus Christ, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. See, here's Jesus entering into this city as its king, but riding upon an, a, a, a donkey. And as he comes in riding upon that donkey, he's there to give his life a ransom for many. What a king. Now, rightfully, the hallelujahs that Jesus received were genuine hearts of worship. He became that servant to all that he might be exalted by all. So I see here not only a picture of his authority, but I see a picture of his humility as he comes in to the city on the donkey. Now go back here, Mark 11, verse 3. 
There's another neat thought right here. Here's an illustration of the privilege of serving Jesus Christ. And if any man say unto you, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. But I want you to notice that next statement. And straightway he will send him hither. I kind of take it that when the Lord's finished, he's going to send him back. He's just going to borrow it for a time, and then he's going to return it. He'll send it hither. That's a precious thought. Again, that donkey was created by God. That donkey was chosen by God for this special task. And that donkey had the wonderful privilege and blessing of carrying the king into the city. Fulfilling scripture. Now, I'm just going to give a thought. I, I wonder in the donkey world, what other donkeys thought. Okay? Eehaw, eehaw, eehaw. Here are these donkeys. And they're excited. They would talk about this donkey out there. And here's, eehaw, eehaw. Wow, you carried the king. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just picturing. Here's the donkeys. What a privileged donkey that was. What, what a blessing to serve the king, the Lord, as this donkey. Now, you think about this. Anyone or anything that has the privilege of serving Jesus Christ is privileged in whatever capacity that would be. Uh, uh, you think about the donkey bearing the burden, bearing the load of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is just a colt. This is a donkey that has never been ridden before. Uh, here's a donkey. Now, I, I don't know this, but I, I, I would venture to say a donkey that's never been ridden before would probably be a wild donkey. And I'm not sure it's one that I would want to get on, but it seems certainly here as this, uh, the Lord uh, arrived and rode that donkey. That donkey didn't fight. That donkey didn't resist. I, I get the picture here of a donkey that's yielded to the purpose of God. And that ought to be our heart, and that ought to be the privilege of serving the Lord Jesus Christ in any capacity. What a blessing to serve Jesus Christ. If, if we could be that donkey that carries the burden of the load for Jesus, what a blessing. What a blessing just to be used of God. Now, let's apply that not to the donkey, but to the owner of the donkey. He loaned the donkey to Jesus. And Jesus gave him back. Now, from that day forward, don't you think that that would have been a special donkey to that owner? Now, if that were my donkey, I think I'd give that donkey a little bit of extra food. I'd sure want to make sure that donkey was taken care of and blessed, kind of like the turkey that gets pardoned by the president every year. That turkey will never have to be a Thanksgiving dinner. That turkey gets to live its life out and that turkey is blessed, and they feed that turkey well, and that turkey never goes on another Thanksgiving plate. He's pardoned. But I think about this donkey. What a blessing, that donkey, and how that owner would have taken care of the donkey. You know, let me give just a principle. The owner gave the donkey, and then he was told straightway, the Lord will return him hither. The Lord will bring him back when he's done with him. But, you know, let's look at this tonight. You can't outgive God. What you give to the Lord, he gives back. I may not give you another donkey back, but uh, the ways and the blessings of the Lord are far beyond what you can imagine. 
And he often gives back even more than you gave to him. Sometimes he restores 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. When you give your life and when you serve and when you yield unto the Lord, he gives back to you. Luke 6, verse 38, give and it shall be given unto you. He says, good measure, uh, shake it, or pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, this I, I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. In Proverbs 11, verse 25, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. And so I, I see in this, this, this privilege, this blessing uh, of being used of the Lord as was the donkey, uh, but being willing to give as was the owner. And I see this wonderful privilege, this wonderful blessing, the Lord hath need of him. And, and I would just put that to you here tonight. What in your life does the Lord have need of? What does he want from you? What is he asking of you? just share with you a wonderful blessing that I had all the way back to my college days. Got involved in a bus ministry. And I had dedicated my car to the Lord. Every Saturday I would take my car out on visitation. And I would try to follow up and go out and visit the boys and the girls and their families and and then several occasions, because the bus ministry had grown, we didn't have enough buses to go to all of the areas, so my car became the bus. And so I had the privilege of using my car to pick up families to take them to church. You know, that car, oh, that was a, a, a wonderful car, blessed, dedicated. I don't know how many people got saved because of the car. And just to be able to give that unto the Lord. I've told stories of God's provision over and over, and, and there were times I didn't have enough money to fill the car with gas. But the Lord always saw that my car had enough gas. And people would borrow that car, and they would always put more gas in it than what was in it. And I didn't ask them for that, but that gas in that car was just kind of like um, the story of the oil in the barrel that never ran dry, and that's what my car did. It just never ran dry. And in fact, it never ran out of gas until the time after my wife and I were married. And my wife looked at the car and said, I, I think you're about out of gas. I said, no, I got plenty. And we drive down five minutes, whoa, we run out of gas. And that's the only time, simply because I didn't listen to my wife. But all the time in college, it ran through and had plenty of gas. And God just worked miracles in that car. That which you give to the Lord, you will never regret it. The Lord pays back more than you can ever imagine. So we see in this an illustration of the authority of Christ. He has the authority to ask anything he wants. And an illustration of the humility of Christ that here the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and though king borrowed the donkey. And an illustration of the privilege of serving the Lord and being used of the Lord. I'd like us with that thought tonight simply to bow our head